Welcome back to the Cluey Podcast, where we help conscious consumers like you get cluied into the latest conscious tips, topics, and brands from impact-driven founders to experts and thought leaders on the topic at hand. I'm your host, Mary Claire, founder of Cluey. Let's get cluied in. Today's topic, the impact of where you choose to dine out. To discuss this, our guest today is Michael Oshman, CEO and founder of the Green Restaurant Association a nonprofit on a mission to help the restaurant industry become more sustainable. They also certify restaurants with their green restaurant certification to help consumers locate and support restaurants that dine, that align with their values so they can dine and align with their values. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Look forward to speaking to your audience. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I gave a very brief definition of what your organization is all about. Um, but tell me a little bit more about you and your story and what led you to start the Green Restaurant Association and the overall goals of, of what you're trying to accomplish. Got it. So um, the story is kind of interesting, I, I have to say. I started the organization when I was 19. I was... Uh, college student, my second year uh, college student in San Diego, University of California, San Diego. And due to my upbringing, my background, I already knew I wanted to have a positive impact on the world. You know, what young idealist doesn't want that? At least back in a few decades ago, that was the case. Um, but I actually believed that I could. And um, I've been doing the same thing for 33 years. And the vision was the same as it is now which was to um, make it easy for businesses to become environmentally sustainable against a set of standards, certifying them, objective standards, verifying them. Um, <clears throat> and it sounds very, uh, I would say cliche at this point in 2023, but in 1990, the environmental movement was over here and the business world was over here. And the environmental movement thought business was bad and the business movement thought, you know, environmentalists didn't care about the economy. And, you know, it was just very, very polarized. And if you didn't live through the time, you'd think it's not like it is now. There would be you know, Whole Foods wasn't a big company. All you had is small little co-ops. You didn't have hybrids. There really wasn't much to do if you cared about the environment. Really, you could garden in the back. You could take your recycling somewhere far away. Curbside was barely something. Um, <clears throat> there wasn't much. Thankfully, we're in a very, very, very different place now. Far from where we need to be, but far from where we were. And my goal was don't demonize the businesses. They're regular people trying to make money who have families. They're not out to destroy the world, most of them. And if given the tools to do the right thing, most of them will do it. And if you reward them by making them a certified green restaurant, if they do X, Y, and Z standards back in 1990, standards were much smaller then than they are now, um, then all of a sudden they're getting more customers. And we're really making the same arguments now as we were then. They're just a lot truer now. They were not true. They just, the demographic was much smaller. Whereas now it's huge. It's, there's, there's uh, you know, multi-trillion dollar social investment movements. The richest man in the world has made his money off of transforming the automobile industry. Um, you know, huge percentage of consumers buy something organic 
uh, every week. So we're far from where we need to be, but the consumer base is very, very large. Um, technology is such that from when I started, the price of solar has come down, I think like 98%, 95%, somewhere in the 90s, but I think the high 90s. I remember hearing a speech as a college student with somebody saying, this is what's going to happen to solar. Here's the graph. And we're there. And so it's a very exciting time. The, the, the challenge for our generation now isn't trying to convince everybody to do this, isn't the, the teacher 30-some years ago showing us this is what's going to happen to solar, and when it gets there, wow, we're going to be in good shape. The challenge now is we've got all the goods. We've got everything we need. We have will. We have the dropping of prices of batteries and solar. We've got certified green restaurants we'll talk about more all across the country. Right now, what we need to do is not take another 20 or 30 years to make this all normal. We need to not wait 15 years for everybody to have an electric car um, to have more organic, more vegan, et cetera. We have to take all of our tools and treat this, in my opinion, in the, in the same way that we treated the pandemic. Now, without getting into all the details of what approaches the pandemic worked, what didn't, that's gonna take probably some more years to figure out. But what we all agree is it was all hands on deck. The whole world was on deck trying to figure out what to do. That's what we need to do around these environmental issues. Nobody said, let's solve the pandemic in the next five or 10 years. Let's throw a little bit of money here and there. Let's educate a little bit around the corners. Let's make some places safe and some not. You know, these places are green, these are not. No, our world needs to get to a place where being a certified investor is normal, not the exception. The electric right. vehicle in your neighborhood isn't one of 10 vehicles, it's nine of 10 vehicles or 10 of 10 vehicles. That's where we need to go. And that's all hands on deck. It's not to rest because the graphs are going in the right direction, but to use that momentum and make it happen over the next year or two, as if it was a pandemic, because the environmental issues really do threaten life in huge ways, like the pandemic. And I think you could argue uh, even more. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's fascinating getting to have you on our podcast because to your point and, and hearing your story, I mean, you've been on this train now for, for some time and you've seen the transition happen. And, you know, uh, for our audience, a lot of them are new to the concept of like, okay, how can I do better by people in the planet in my everyday purchasing? For me, even this is a newer concept. You know, it's not something that I started to do until about uh, six years ago or so. And before that, I never thought twice about things like the impact of where I'm eating out or, you know, the impact of what t-shirt I'm buying from where and whatnot. So, you know, let's, let's kind of bring our followers and listeners into that topic specifically as it comes to restaurants. A lot of folks, you know, now may think about where they shop for groceries, but not necessarily the impact of where they choose to dine outside of the home. So what are some of the impacts that the restaurant industry has on our environment that the average consumer probably just doesn't know? Okay. I'll be able to explain that in less than four hours. Um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll try Good. to make it. The podcast but, is only 15 minutes. <laughs> um, I'll throw out a few different facts. We have a great section on our website and your consumers are also, uh, 
happy to receive emails and questions because um, I can't really do it justice in such a short time. But I'll throw out one statistic. If the restaurant industry just in the United States, one out of about 200 countries in the world, if the restaurant industry was its own economy, it'd be sitting at the UN anywhere from 11 to 17. You'd have the US and China and Russia and Germany and Japan and a bunch of other countries ahead of it. But you have about 185 countries behind it. The restaurant industry as an economy is larger than 90, 95% of all the other countries on this entire planet. You might be asking, who cares? It's not an economy podcast. Well, the more money there is, the more consumption there is, the more carbon there is, the more pollution there is. So obviously, the bigger an economy is, the bigger the impact it is. So the restaurant industry in the United States is, is the largest consumer of electricity in the retail sector. People spend about half of their food budgets dining out. Those statistics alone should compel anybody to realize, whoa, I can affect the 11th to 17th largest economy, not by lobbying the government and making petitions, but by dining out just in my own country by going to certified green restaurants, by telling my favorite restaurant's manager that I want them to become a certified green restaurant and giving our website, dinegreen.com, D-I-N-E-G-R-E-N.com. Um, these are all things consumers can do um, to really change the industry. And if you go to our website and you go to certification standards, for those of you who are really interested in these topics, um, there are seven categories, energy, water, waste, disposables, chemicals, food, and building. And within disposables, there's reusables, et cetera, waste reduction. There's five to 700 steps that can be done. Not that have to be done to be certified. It's a menu and they have to earn a certain amount of green points at level one, two star, three star, four star. And there's badges like near zero waste or clean chemical badge or vegan or vegetarian badge um, within those various different standards. And so consumers, I'll give you a, just a story. When we started out a few decades ago, we literally, you know, I was coming from the college world of letter writing back then. Email was very, very new and not very, not prevalent. And so people would write letters or they make phone calls if they wanted to influence a business. And there literally was one person who, who either, I think it was a phone call, not a letter, made a call to one restaurant. And that one restaurant got us the phone and contacted us. And the way we know it, we were, yeah, how did you hear about us? Somebody just called us. That was a few decades wow. ago. Consumers have even more power now between email and social media and phone calls. Because most consumers, I'm speaking to your listeners here, I'm speaking to you listening right now, most consumers do not call their favorite restaurants. They don't email their favorite restaurants. They don't text them. They don't message them on social media. That's good and bad. It's good in this situation because they're not bombarded that way. So if you call or email your favorite restaurant, whether it's a chain, obviously in a chain, it will be more likely to get lost. Your local restaurant, less likely. But you say... Be going through, becoming more environmentally sustainable in a transparent way and getting certified and sending them our link, letting them know this is important to you. You buy some organic in, in your 
store and you try to drive a more sustainable vehicle, you want more options and you really like the restaurant and you're really trying to spend your dollars in places that match your value, they will understand to retain your dollars going to them that they should become a certified green restaurant. That's my biggest message to your listeners is that you have an incredible amount of power because most people don't say anything. So when that person 30 years ago made a phone call, it represented a lot of people. And so too, um, you, you can literally revolutionize the restaurant industry better than we can. We're the plumbers who will come in and we're gonna fix things. We're going to help them create recycling and composting and get some more sustainable menu items. And then we're gonna certify it, make it transparent and communicate to you. That's what we're good at. But you can do something we can never do, which is express yourself as consumers of those restaurants and as organizations, a nonprofit, the leading nonprofit on this planet regarding restaurant industries and sustainability. We need you. We need you to call the plumber, if you will. The plumber doesn't just show up at a house. You need to let the restaurants know there's a leak on this planet. It needs to be fixed and that we're a good plumber to, to do that. Um, otherwise, restaurants don't change unless there's, quote, unquote, a squeaky, a squeaky wheel or a leak. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, that's a very compelling message. And I think that, you know, hopefully our listeners uh, will we'll certainly take that to heart and encourage their favorite businesses and restaurants in particular to check out uh, your organization. Now, uh, you know, I have a question that's more personal to me. So I'm based in Louisiana um, and you mentioned that you're in California. And I imagine that, you know, certainly there's an element of, uh, you know, higher concentration of green certified restaurants where you are than there might be where I am. Um, how like expansive, how many restaurants currently right now are certified and in how many states across the U.S.? Good question. So I went to school in California. Our office has been based out of the Boston area for a good 15 plus years. Oh, apologies um, for that. And our staff is, is based on the East Coast. We service about 47 states wow. in, in the United States, plus Canada. And so we have restaurants all over. And our restaurants could be, um, you know, airports. Uh, we deal with JFK Airport, LaGuardia, Newark. It could be your favorite university uh, of Harvard, or Northeastern, um, or smaller universities around the country. It could be the next time you go to Mount Rushmore and see the, old, the president's faces there and you go to a restaurant there, you could see that there's a certified restaurant. It could be, you know, the likelihood of the credit card in your wallet right now that that one, if not more of those companies is a client of ours. The, the biggest financial institutions are clients of ours with their food service operations. So from education to corporate America, to transportation, to the famous chef, to the small restaurant, all participate in our program. Um, and that's across the country. Um, there's a few states that don't have, um, but, but most do. And so what I would say is yes, in New York or LA, you're more likely to have uh, a concentration of certified green restaurants than some other cities around the country. But we've got lots in Texas. We have uh, restaurants in the South. We've had restaurants in the, in the past. I don't have them all memorized, thankfully, but we've had restaurants, if not now, in Alaska, in Hawaii, in Puerto Rico, 
Um, so we have around um, around the country. Okay. Well, I'm going to make it my personal mission to increase the concentration of green certified restaurants right here in New Orleans, uh, yeah. a culinary capital for sure. And why not allow that culinary capital to also lead lead the way in sustainability as well? Really? Um, yeah. I've been to New Orleans a couple times and, you know, although in a very different way than New York with the concentration, as you've said, a place like New Orleans, and, and I think we have restaurants in New Orleans, but not as much of a concentration as we do in New York. And as you said, it is a perfect place for this to take off. The, the level of culinary expertise and reputation there and that being a draw for tourism makes it a, a great candidate to actually become a green dining destination where there's a concentration in that area. So let me ask you one final question before we kind of wrap things up with our standard final questions. But this is my final question specific to, to you on our show. You know, if you are advising a consumer who doesn't have, uh, you know, the ability to find a green certified restaurant in their area or maybe not that many, what are some things outside of encouraging their restaurant to uh, become green certified? What are some other things that consumers could try to look for um, in terms of the restaurants yeah. that they're dining out with? Okay, it's a great question. So besides going to diningreen.com and seeing if there's a certified green restaurant in your area or cater, which obviously is the number one thing, there are many other things that can be done in addition to that. Um, and, and I'll say them here, but they also go to diningreen.com. There's a special section for consumers, um, as there is for restaurants and distributors and employees. So if you're a restaurant employee, click on that. There's a whole curriculum and accreditation for restaurant employees, which a lot of people, especially younger people are employees of restaurants, but there's a whole section for consumers. And, uh, so you'll see a lot of this information there. One of the things, <clears throat> excuse me is making a more sustainable menu choices. And for many of the people here, it might be obvious. Um, the lower on the food chain, whether it's organic or not, the lower on the food chain, you're gonna get your best environmental value. So if there's something delicious that's vegan, go for that, because that is going to have a demonstrably different impact than, than the steak or other red meat or even the chicken. Um, if if not, if that's not your cup of tea and you're going to be hungry and it's not something good, see if there's something vegetarian, scale up from there. And if not, look for fish. And if you look for fish, <clears throat> go onto an app for um, Monterey Bay Aquarium or some, you know, uh, there's various different uh, fish choice apps, etc. Look at the fish and see, oh, I'm in Georgia. I'm in New Orleans. Okay. Um, this is Seabex or it's salmon. It will tell you what the most sustainable seafood is. So there's already a lot that I've told you thus far that you can do. Um, the other part of what you could do is um, not order too much. And I don't mean don't give good business to the restaurant, but really think about, am I going to finish this? Because food waste is, is almost more wasteful than all the other things because all that energy went into nothing. Even if you're having something unsustainable, at least you're you're deriving a value from that. But if it's unsustainable and you're wasting it, there's absolutely no value for that. So yeah, be careful of of uh, overordering and food waste. Um, and the other part is, you know, let's say you are having meat. Um, in that case, 
could be in some restaurants, there's an organic option. Choose the organic option if you can. So these are the different ways to scale on the menu side. On the takeout side, if you know you, the way that you eat is even if you order the most minimal dish, you always have leftovers and you feel bad about leaving it there, but you also don't want to get a takeout container, even if it's a decent one, it's still you know going to be thrown away. Um, even if it's recycled, you want to reduce and reuse before recycling. So in that case, bring a nice little Tupperware with you in a bag. Love that. <laughs> and when you're done with the meal, you don't even have to tell the waiter or waitress, can I get this or that? You have it in your bag or your purse or whatever you're carrying, and you open it up, put the stuff in, you put it in there, put it back in your bag, put it in your fridge when you come home, have it for lunch tomorrow. Depending upon who you're eating out with, you will either really impress them, you will impress the people you're eating with. One way or another, you will make an impact because it's not usual, but it's a big deal. Because then you can right. put it back, especially if you have an energy efficient dishwasher, you put it in there, put some green chemicals in there, and the impact of you using that reusable is teeny compared to even the most sustainable uh, uh, disposable, let alone probably the likely disposal you have. So those are just a few of the things. If you could take public transportation to your restaurant, do that. If you can walk to your restaurant, all these are, are on our site. But there's a lot that you can do. And then when you're at the restaurant and you're paying your bill, we used to have these cute little things called tip cards. And back in the day when more people used cash, you'd put the cash as the tip. And we'd also have these tip cards that said, I'm an environmentally responsible consumer. We'd really like your restaurant to become a certified green restaurant. And so instead of that, that worked really well when we were much more local in California, we're across the country and continent now, but use your voice. That's the best time to do it. You're paying them. They want to know what you think. The food was fantastic. I loved it. The service was great. There's one thing I'd recommend. I'm really looking to dine at places that are more sustainable and are certified green restaurants. We don't have a huge amount in our city. I'd really love to see you and some of the other restaurants become that. You will you will um, earn more of my loyalty going into the future. That's wonderful. Those are amazing tips, Michael. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, you know, I'm going to start employing all of them. <laughs> I particularly love the bring your own Tupperware uh, tip. I'll see. Uh, you know, I'll see how I, how that goes down in a group meal setting sometime soon, and report back to you. Um, so to end our podcast, we always end with the same two questions for every guest. And, uh, the first question is a glimmer of hope question. And what is the question is, what is an innovation, whether it's in your niche of the world of impact that you're particularly jazzed about right now, a new innovation in your space? Great. I, I, have, a, I have an answer for that. You know, the things I'm jazzed about on the macro outside of our industry are solar prices, battery prices coming down, and just that's going to revolutionize our entire planet, regardless of industry. Within the restaurant industry, um, there, there's, there's two things that, that excite me in the realm of reusables. Um, so most people thus far don't bring their own Tupperware. Um, and um, most restaurants, if you're ordering for takeout, it's going to be in disposables. So there are services now 
in certain parts of the country, very small, very small, but it's, it's like you said, a glimmer of hope where you can order from these X amount of restaurants and your items are going to come in reusables. And then, and then there's a way to, with QR codes, drop them off at a certain place. You just got your takeout delivery in a reusable container and it's going to be sent back and washed and reused a lot of times. And I love this because for the restaurants, it's easy. It's sanitary. You know, you're not, you're not bringing your Tupperware to the back of the restaurant saying, can you put all the stuff in there? And they're going to say, I don't know how clean that is. This is a beautiful system. Uses phones, QR codes, apps to track this. Um, and there's a few different, I won't get into the details of how they all work, but it's very exciting because it can replace a lot of the disposables, takeout, delivery, and uh, even leftovers. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. And, you know, we actually had a guest on a couple episodes back um, from an organization called Habits of Waste Changers. And uh, the founder of that organization is all about reducing plastic in various ways. Um, we were focusing on uh, this organization's um, intention to reduce plastic on the big screen in television and movies, you know, having actors using more reusables on, on the screen. Um, but they also are responsible for the cut out cutlery campaign, which has, um, you know, campaigned uh, these big delivery apps like Uber Eats, DoorDash, et cetera, to have the option for, you know, I don't need cutlery or I don't need extra, you know, uh, takeout, takeware. So to hear that there's even more innovation in that space is amazing. So Michael, it was so great having you on the podcast. We've learned, I've learned so much and I know that I'm going to make it. I love to eat out, uh, you know, so I know I'm going to make it a personal goal to get more green certified restaurants in, in my city. Um, thank you for coming on and thank you for educating our listeners on the impact of where you dine out. My pleasure. As, as I mentioned, I've been doing this for three decades. My de it's my passion. And I look forward, as I think anybody listening, to having a time again where organizations like ours don't need to be doing what we're doing. Is that this is so normal that kids who are now one, who will be 20 and 19 years, will go, what's a green certification? What do, you, what do you mean that every business wasn't like that? What? You had places that didn't have sustainable food and burned things for transportation? That's where we want to get to. It's the only purpose of the sustainability movement is to get this normal so we could pull out. And just like there was a time where women didn't have the right to vote and now have the right to vote, it seems insane that there was a time there wasn't. It's normal now. And so whoever was lobbying for that particular thing of voting rights, or, um, that job is done. There's more work to be done. Right. We want to get to that point where these are so normal, laughable in 20 years that we would be having to do the work we're doing. I couldn't agree more. And I want to thank all of our listeners today for tuning in to the latest episode of the Cluey podcast. Don't forget that you can learn about the Green Restaurant Association at dinegreen.com. That's dinegreen.com, D-I-N-E-G-R-E-E-N.com to start finding green certified restaurants in your area. 
So remember, come back next time to get clued into the latest in the world of conscious consumerism.